Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be encountered, your forgiveness experienced, and your love that transforms and reforms us be made known. Amen. Welcome to the Lutheran Church. We have this holiday we celebrate every year because it's just a part of our history. We don't celebrate the division that came in the church, but we do lift up the part of our history in the Reformation. We usually do it just the last Sunday in October. But for this sermon series that we start today, it seems it fit. So for the last three weeks here in October and the first three weeks of November, we're going to do this series Reformed and Reforming. And today we get Ruth. And so we're going to talk about reforming together because Reformation, when God works on us, never happens in isolation. When God is reshaping our faith, that never happens all by ourselves. God always uses others and community around us to make that happen. Change. It's coming. I can promise you that. There are a few things that I can guarantee you, right? Death, taxes, and change. Things change. Some changes are great. We had a chance to get away Thursday, Friday, and drove back Saturday morning for fall break from a little family vacation. And some of you know, I'm a great sports fan. So as we are driving back, I could watch college football. My wife was driving, so I could watch. Yeah, I saw like you were watching and driving? No, she would drive, so, so I could watch. But at one point, I looked and said, you know, this is amazing. The video stream of this football game, of this little device in my hand, when I think back to the television from when I was young, this picture is 100 times better. Right? It's not plugged into the wall. Okay, it's not as big. But said, could you imagine when we were kids that we could take our TV with us? <laughs> your TV would fit in your pocket, and it's a much better picture than you could ever dream of. Yeah, right now we need some sound. We need better sound so I can have theater sound. Yeah, let's give Apple and Google and some other folks some ideas. But can you imagine? Change happens. Sometimes change just feels like it happens to us. Some change is great. Some change is terrible. Some change is just thrust upon us. But change happens. I think back in just the last 20 years, not just the cell phone. We've had two kids. My father-in-law passed. Wow, you know, just those changes that happen. Now, my mother-in-law lives with us. That recent change in our lives. Some things are great. Insert mother-in-law joke here, right? No. And, and, and so about it. It's been terrific for us. But the fact is, the stream of life keeps on moving. It keeps on flowing. And the river doesn't take a straight path. The change happens. Change happened for Naomi. 
and her husband, and I could always remember his name, Elimelech, because it makes me want to sing. Elimelech, Elimelech. Okay, I know those aren't the words, but that's what I hear when I hear his name. Elimelech and Naomi. And here's the amazing thing. Do you remember where they're from? It's right at the beginning of Ruth. Yeah, trivia question. Where are they from? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Now here's one of those things I did not know that I did not even learn at seminary. I was blessed to have the chance to go to Israel. And our tour guide is we're nearing Bethlehem. And he would call it Bethlehem. 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 And the name means town or village or city of bread. Because it's where they would grow the grain and make the bread and then bring it into Jerusalem. So this is the city that would provide the bread. Now Naomi and Elimelech find themselves in trouble in Bethlehem because there's a famine. No food in the city of bread. Is that irony? No food, it's the city of bread. That's the name of the place and there's no food. So they go to Moab, which is the really non-Jewish territory. It wasn't so far away, but to where there might be food. So basically they go into a foreign land that was seen as those dirty, disgusting others, peoples, and plant roots. They plant their family. They don't know when they could ever go back to Bethlehem or if they ever should. They want to have the family. But Elimelech dies. Naomi's two sons get married, and then they die. Which leaves Naomi with two daughter-in-laws. But she gets word while she's in Moab, I don't know, from one of her relatives somehow, gets word that things have been restored in Bethlehem, the famine's over, everything's okay again. And she wants to go home. Feels called to go home. And so she sets out her daughter-in-laws. You have to understand, patriarchal system, patriarchal society. Are they going to go with her? How are they going to survive? And she tells them, no, go back. Go back to your original families. They will still love you. They will take care of you. I can do nothing for you. You see, the change comes again. And so Orpah and Ruth say, yes, we will go with you. And she talks Orpah into staying. But Ruth, Ruth looks at her and says, no, I will cling to you. I will stay with you. The Hebrew word here is cling, shows up in one other significant place in the Old Testament. And then again in the New Testament as Jesus quotes it. For this reason, a man will leave his family and cling to his wife. It means you will be tight. You will do life together. Ruth makes that same commitment. We will be together. We are family. Whatever happens to us, happens to us. Whatever happens to you happens to me. What happens to me happens to you. We will be family. 
non-traditional of the day, right? A mother and a daughter-in-law, and they make it back. What we don't get, because we don't have time on Sunday morning to read the whole story, is this reformation that happens. You have to remember, Ruth didn't grow up as a good Jewish girl. But she has changed. And so those vows that she makes to her mother-in-law, your God will be my God. That through the tragedies in life, God has brought these two women together and God will reshape and reform their faith together. It never happens in isolation. And this is one of those, you kind of got to know the rest of the story. What happens? Ruth and Naomi make it back to Bethlehem. We're going to give you the quick version. Go home and read Ruth. It's not that long. Go home and read Ruth. That's your challenge for the day. But Ruth gets married. Ruth has a kid. But God then uses Ruth to provide a line of kings from Naomi through Ruth through this line. That covenant promise we talked about so much with Abraham and Sarah in our last series. That covenant promise will live on through Ruth through Naomi, through Ruth. <coughs> she is the great-grandmother of some guy named David in the line of Jesse. And in the line of Jesse and David, we get Jesus. God took the tragedy that had surrounded them from famine and untimely death and these two women formed a bond, took care of each other, and God reformed not only them, but reformed and reshaped the world. Martin Luther gets all the credit. Gets all the credit, like a quarterback when your team wins, or a pitcher, it is baseball playoff season, when your team wins, Martin Luther gets all the credit, but the Reformation in the 1500s didn't happen just because of Martin Luther. It did not happen in isolation. There were other folks like Melanchthon, other folks like Erasmus, other folks like Calvin, and the list goes on. But the beautiful thing amidst all that change is it never happens in isolation, and it always happens with God. God moving us into the future. Because the future, when we look at change, change is hard enough. When we look at the future and know there's going to be change, that's even harder because it's unknown. An unknown change can bring a lot of fear. I had an honest conversation with a couple of pastors, and I'm sure it'll come up again this week when I'm in North Carolina visiting with other pastors. And the difficult conversation of congregations in decline, of denominations in decline, of churches closing, 
of churches trying to survive? What's the future of the church in America? And all of that can be overwhelming and bring a ton of fear. Job security for pastors is waning. But I know whatever happens, it happens when we all do it together. Working for God. That God always brings out something tremendous. What looks like famine one day turns out to be salvation another day. Because God has this way of redeeming change, of redeeming tragedy. And our fancy church word for it in the Lutheran church, one of our gifts to the world is reformation. That the church is always reforming. Semper reformata. Always reforming. That God is always reforming you. God is always reforming me. God is always reforming us. God is always reforming celebration. God is always reforming the ELCA. God is always reforming the church throughout the world. Because God wants the world to know about Jesus. The world changes. The church must change as well. To meet the world right where it is. A world that when I have this discussion with millennials, looks and says, hey, you're in the middle of this. What's this world the boomers are handing to us? Climate change? Refugees? Wars? Economic debt? And the world needs a reformation now as much as it ever has. And I look at them and said, it's not a blame. We always do the best we can with what we have. And yes, the burdens that will be placed on your generation are honest. But at least God is with you, as God is with us. And remember that this reformation never happens in isolation. It happens together where we look at our neighbor in need and say, we will feed you. Food drive. Feed one more person this week. It's a reformation that happens together. Kids need school supplies. We gather them. It's a reformation that happens together, so much so that it's part of our history. I always love, like, we're Lutheran, we don't change. We were formed in change, you realize that, right? but the beauty is the gift of each other I want you to think of those times in your life those times of enormous change I think of the times of enormous change in my life when God walked in a group of friends into my life that surround me and support me when my mom died I had been drafted into a Bible study by my friend Kevin and John, who insisted I come. Not knowing what was around the future, but through that, 
as a young college student, God used them to reform and reshape me into my new reality of a world of living without my mother, without being able to call her on the phone. In the times of your change, and some of them are beautiful, some of them are tragic, and you can look back and see what God has done in the past for you. And when we look back and see that God has been faithful in the past, when we come to the table and experience God's grace again, that God is faithful today, all that unknown change in the future, I get that as a pastor. What does the future of the church look like? I have no idea. It seems to melt away because we know the one in whom we trust has always provided for us, has always taken care of us, like providing for the Israelites in the wilderness and providing bread and water and what they needed, that God has always come through. It was a lesson I learned when my son was born. I was grateful I did not have to do this alone. My wife and I would learn about this change together. God continues to walk people into our lives to reshape and reform us for the world that God made. Because when I look around and say, hmm, storm hits Japan, storm hits the Bahamas, a lot can change overnight in our world. And the world needs to know we care. The world needs to know that God cares. So I don't know what the future of the church looks like, but I know God is reforming us so that the world knows that God is here and that God cares. Amen.